This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Thanks to one of our great supporters, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, of course, for their support of According to Flint, and welcome to episode number 62 of the podcast, where we welcome the driver of the number three Chevy car in the NASCAR Cup Series for Richard Childress Racing, his grandpa, by the way, and more importantly, the general manager of the Carolina Cowboys PBR team, it's Austin Dillon, joining us, joining us today to talk some racing and a little more bull riding. But first, a quick word from our friends at Pendleton Whiskey and Montana Silversmiths. Enjoy our conversation with Austin Dillon. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton whiskey. And that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana silversmiths' buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana silversmiths' buckles and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana silversmiths. Well, welcome to num episode number 62, according to Flint. And finally, a guy that just begged and begged and begged to be on the show. <laughs> he is, of course. I'm just going with the general manager of the uh, Carolina Cowboys PBR team. That's it. That's your title here. Hey, that's my favorite title anyway, so I'm good with it. Um, okay, I want to get this out of the way. I didn't say anything before we came on air. I didn't. I don't have any Carolina Cowboys gear, so so to speak. I went with. Did you notice the Carolina blue? I did that for you. Good. Yep, the blue looks good. Um, you know, in the background, I see the Cooper Tires jersey. It's it's blue. It's not quite the the right color blue, but we're close. Yeah, well, th that's the best I could do. My eyes are Carolina blue. Um, <laughs> my heart is blue. All of it. I did what I could. So. You, you got a hold of me not long ago and said, we need a Carolina Cowboys logo on your stuff. Yeah, I got to take care of that. I got to get you some gear. I want a good placement in the show. Carolina Cowboys need to be the first PBR teams represented on Flint show. Decorate the mahogany, big boy. That's it, you know, that's the, the rule. However, a little bit of, an, or I should say another case of nice red wine from Childress wineries or whatever vineyards, whatever it is, that would go a little ways. That helped the situation. It always does. You know, my grandfather was smart when he built that winery. When I was younger, I didn't know what he was doing. And then I realized <clears throat> the crowd that gathered at the winery was a pretty cool crowd. And uh, I was like, man, I understand why he is who he is. He's a pretty smart guy. Um, what does he manage better? Race teams or a winery? <laughs> he is really good at um, hanging out at the winery. My mom would say the more he's away from the winery and he's hunting, the winery does better. But, uh, no, he, he's pretty good about whatever he gets into, and he and he, uh, he attacks at full bore, man. Nothing um, is done, uh, you know, without everybody pulling the same rope and, and pushing hard to be successful. Isn't that funny, though? in a big picture to take that and expand on it a little you see it in probably the business you're in and i've seen it in the business i'm in people who are successful there's a big picture reason they're successful it isn't an action it isn't one topic 
It's their right. general approach on life. And usually if they're successful at one thing, they kick ass at something else and it just pisses you off. It's like good at everything, but that's why they're successful, right? They are. And um, it's actually funny you bring it up. I'm reading a book right now. It's called Grit, right? And, and it's, it's all about um, the difference between talent and grit and um, where, you know, talent is just how fast you process things and it only takes you so far, but grit or the ability to just outwork and work hard uh, can take you to, you know, unfathomable places. And I think that's a great example of my grandfather because, um, you know, his story of the American dream starting with a, you know, $20 taxi cab, and I might be off, it might be cheaper than that. But his taxi cab story, uh, you know, building it, this empire of a racing team from that start, getting the right breaks, obviously, but, um, you know, putting the right people together to get to where it is today and now having a pretty successful winery and a PBR team and just, you know, things that you wouldn't dream of from a boy right here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I I was thinking about, you. you probably don't remember this, the first time I'm sure it was you that I met you just offhand. We were in Winston-Salem at a PBR years ago, and I was by myself. I think it was late after a show, and I was looking for a place to eat, and I walked in, I looked in the window, and I saw Luke Snyder, uh, Ross Coleman, a bunch of people, and I walked in. It was something the something mushroom pizza place. Uh, yeah, Mellow Mushroom. The Mellow Mushroom. And I walked in, and... And uh, said hello to you guys. And after the next day, I said, who are you guys with? Who's the kid in the cowboy hat? Oh, that's Austin Dillon. Like, I don't know who that is, but he was a nice guy. I, so I don't know why I remember that. Isn't that funny? That, yeah, that, that was a good time. I remember that night. It was late night. Actually, after that, I think we went out for a little while. Uh, Might have smoked one of the first cigarettes I've ever smoked in my life and the last one during that time. Uh, but I remember it because of that uh and and meeting you flint and hanging out with luke and the boys and that was a good time yeah chances are if you were with luke and the boys you did go out after yeah so yeah oh yeah that wasn't the end of your night so um i think that when this pbr teams stuff came around and we heard you know childress is gonna manage a team and have a team and all all the different people involved said Austin Dillon's the GM. I think even I question, hey, is this a hobby? What, what are they doing? What's their, how much passion is there? I do got to say, and firsthand from your, your riders, the people on the team, Jerome Davis, you're all in on this. Like, you're hooked. This is, this is for real for you, isn't it? Man, I love it. Uh, you know, I, I kind of go all in on anything that we are a part of when it comes to that, the race team. I mean, um, my pit crew are, are my boys, you know, um, not every race car driver out there is, you know, hanging out with their pit crew. Those, those are my guys. And I approached it the same way with our team and the Cowboys. I wanted to create a relationship with each one of these guys. And, um, I had a relationship with Cooper from actually just meeting him at the Bahamas on the one-off weekend we had. And, um, our wives became friends and then, ended up Cooper ended up on the Cowboys and it all worked out pretty well. And, um, but you know, you never want to do uh, some quote the other day about Matthew McConaughey, don't do things half-assed. And that's how I want it to be. I want to, I want to go at everything, um, you know, to the best of your ability, at least put all the effort into it and, um, you know, meeting and really, you know, I've always heard of stories about Jerome, right. Cause he's from right up the road from me. I live in Thomasville. He lives in Archdale. And I had never been out to a Wild West Wednesday until this this past year, and you know heard so many great things about Drum. I grew up with you know Tommy Teague, so that's where my grandfather and Tommy Teague would take us to PBR events back in the day. And um, actually, recently, kind of got to you know rekindle that relationship with Tommy. We went out to Big Cedar and took him out there to an event, and he loved it. And I've got him fired up about bulls again because I, I I bought into a couple bulls with HD. Uh, page and one of his sales and then Brandon Stewart. So I'm, I'm like you said, I'm all in. Um, we're trying to, you know, I was disappointed we didn't bring home the first team's championship, but I felt like we built a great team and, and we're here to stay for the long haul with what we've got. From day one, I said, from the minute it started, I said, Carolina, I think Carolina is going to win. That was my prediction going into world finals. It was my predict or the, the team finals prediction after the first night. And I looked at your young guys you had. Yeah, I looked at your riders, but you brought it up. The reason 
mostly I thought that was Jerome Davis. That guy, if you aren't in a positive frame of mind, being around that guy, you you have no business being anywhere. You you really don't. And um, anybody that meets Jerome knows Jerome. Um, he really does set set the tone and the mood um, from the beginning. And and he's bright. Uh, he's smart about the way he goes about it. And then his sidekick Tiffany <laughs> just takes him to another level because she's amazing as well. And um, you know, having both of them and and their facility there in Archdale was cool we did our we kicked off our training camp um had two of my buddies that are navy seals that have worked with our teams come in and i and we put this whole plan together and um did this thing called the ghost ride where we got we got there everybody showed up and you know for bull riders it's like practice isn't really a thing right you you do it if you're really struggling and uh you don't want to get on one unless you can make some money or something and uh we didn't want to come in and training camp and say hey you guys are going to ride bulls um, you know, they've been riding all year, just got done with, you know, world finals. Some of them were beat up and needed a break, but we wanted to, you know, let the ones that we had there that wanted to ride, ride, but we wanted to test and see how everybody was going to act if we asked them to get on a bull. And, um, you know, everybody showed up and needless to say, we say, Hey, you guys, this afternoon, we're all going to ride. Um, so get your stuff ready, you know, get ready to go. And some of the guys were kind of grumbling about it. And Tiffany surely let every one of them know that, hey, you guys are getting on. Like, <laughs> Tiffany, that pushed them all to, you know, oh, we're going to get ready. We we got them to the point where, you know, every guy got on a bull, and then right before they – when they nodded their head, Jerome said, okay, you can get off. We wouldn't open the gate. Ah, you, it was a test. It was a, just it was just a test, and then a, it was more about seeing how they each prepared and you know going through their routines we videoed every routine and said hey when you get in these moments and things are going on around you we want things to slow down for you right you never change your routine and and really stay in that moment and you know it was cool seeing the guys that they said a lot of them had never done that before they'd always nodded their head in the road getting off was like you know some of the guys were shaking because they wanted to ride some of them were like why am i having to get off and it was funny. Some of the uh, Brazilian guys, they, they almost, they were like fighting mad. Like, Hey, I'll, I'm ready to go. Like, why are you pulling me off this bull? I've never thought of that. I, I never thought of that build. That's it. I think that's an interesting study in the human nature of competitiveness, so to speak. Because if you think about it, when you get the cue to prepare, I would think in bull riding, you're building, 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 and you get to that point and you are about shaking. And then somebody says, no, whether you wanted to at the start or not. Now, what do you do with all that? You know, yep, the it, thing that you built up, the adrenaline was there. And then truthfully, that kind of allowed the guys to say, hey, these guys are looking out for us. They're not just making us get on extra goal. And uh, the next day, every one of them wanted to ride. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. We every Everybody that, you know, was fit to ride, uh, road and it was a good kind of starter to our camp and i've got those videos it's pretty cool going back through some of them first of all i want to correct you on some jerome is tiffany's sidekick make no mistake (laughs) tiffany's the best um did anybody stand out i i know you you don't want to get too much into you know the uh real personal stuff but when you look back on that day because you'd been around bull riding but not probably building that to that point where you were building to Anything stand out or anyone where you were just like, holy crap, this guy is something or things in general? Well, I, I think each one of them uh, stood out in a different way. You know, we, we had went through a tough uh, Navy SEAL type style training where we put them through this um, uh, obstacle, obstacle course, right? And the SEALs were yelling at them throughout it. And it was more just seeing, you know, the, the test was designed not to finish or it was it was a failure type deal how you failed and um i had been through it and i failed it miserably but i kept going and at the end i was there was this puzzle right and the puzzle was like i said you're not supposed to figure it out but it's so frustrating and uh you know some of the guys i'm not going to tell who, who were so upset that they couldn't finish it and then it was afterwards like leon hey man this wasn't about finishing it 
and they they let some emotions out i think that were were there with them from the past and it was cool just to see them get kind of emotional about certain things and you know each one of our guys really you know put it all on the line all year i was really proud of them and you know it's crazy to me like i'm 32 now um i i still feel like i'm young but i'm 10 years older than most of the guys on my team and then i'm trying to talk to them in like a a role where like i'm a manager and it's tough because I just feel like I'm one of the boys, mm -hmm. but I have been through a lot of the same things in my NASCAR career, you know, when it comes to how you handle certain situations that I can relate, not in a, not in a ride in a bull way, but just, you know, handling everything that goes on outside of bull riding, getting there, you know, um, the fan part of it, the, the media, anything that you can control outside. If you get your outside life together, I, I feel like it will, you know, make everything inside the arena better. And um, that was one thing that the SEALs were good for for me to work with and, and learn with. And I think the guys enjoyed that too. And um, we want to expand on that moving forward. Through the years, I've said that uh, I, I have a saying I use about Cowboys and I grew up in this world. So it's like family. I can criticize them, but that guy can't. You know that I've always yeah. said Cowboys want to be treated like professional athletes until they get treated like professional athletes. And I, I, you bring up uh, dealing with fans and dealing with media. And that's such a, uh, especially now as, as things have grown and, and it's such a critical part. Yeah. You got to drive, you got to win. But an equal part of that is dealing with fans and media. Cowboys pretty receptive to it because I know I've been around guys that why the hell do I got to do this? Did you have to do some training or are Cowboys catching up on that? What do you, what do you think? Truthfully on our side, I mean, I've got some media darlings. I would call him Boudreaux. He oh loves the camera. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he, he loves it. And he's one of the most fun people you can be around. Right. I mean, yeah. he's joking. Good time. Uh, Cooper's already been in front of the camera a lot. Dalen's kind of shy. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you grow to love him because of his work ethic. He was one guy, you know, talk about standouts, you know, he was just kind of a, a grinder throughout that whole, you know, training camp we had that you noticed, okay, I see why Dalen became a, a world champion this past year. Right. You, you watched it go on from afar and you just noticed, okay, he's riding bulls. He's consistent, he's strong, but mentally, you know, he, he can shut things out when it's time to go and, and you, you see little nuances on each one of them that, you know, what makes them tick. And, and, you know, from our side, from Jerome's side, Tiffany's side, my side is, is trying to cater to each one of those to make sure they're performing at their highest level. And, um, you know, that's, what's exciting about this team's deal. Cause every one of these guys matters. It's one ride every time that it seems like that. I mean, a 7.9, I remember at 7.97 at the finals in Vegas was, you know, a little, you know, three tenths here takes us to the next round. So, and, and it, it could have been different throughout the season. Three tenths could have put us in a different seating to move us against a different team. So uh, it's so close and it was very competitive all year, which was, was fun to be a part of. And I tell you this, uh, I would wake up on Sundays, uh, Saturday nights were sometimes more intense watching the rides and watching the teams uh, go at it than waking up Sunday to do my job because Saturday I'm, I, I, I felt responsible for, you know, putting the, helping put the team together and just, you know, through the ups and downs of it. And it was so close every time. And, um, the adrenaline I had Saturday night, I had to come off of it before I went to sleep Sunday to go race a car. Didn't you win the weekend care of the Carolina when we were in Winston-Salem, the Carolina it was in the Cal or no, it was Austin. Uh, so you guys were in Austin and I was in Daytona and we had a good start to the weekend and finished it. And I was leading the race as a, as a rain, rain came, I made it through the crash. I, I'm the leader. Well, they delayed the race. Well, they're just cameras zoomed in on me and I've got my phone out and I'm thinking our race is going to get delayed, but my nerves are starting to you know, churn because NASCAR usually calls it after a certain amount of time. So at this point I'm like, yeah, they're, they're probably not going to call it. So I'm just trying to watch something. Well, they were on, uh, 
you know, CBS or I had the live feed and I'm watching the live feed on my phone while the camera is watching me for the race and we won our game. Well, then it goes in the bonus round and they're like, you know, I actually went back to my bus, changed fire suits and they're like, Hey, we got to go back green. So I walk out there right when the bonus round's going to go on and I didn't get to see it, but we win the race. And as soon as I get out of the car, they're like, Hey, the Cowboys won too. So I was pumped about that. And so we won on simultaneous days last year. So, so I need to win. Cowboys can win more too. <laughs> so, so you, I mean, you're celebrating, you crawl out of the car. That's the first thing you want to know is how'd my bull riders do for sure. Yeah. And then it can make a, a, a bad day, a really good day or a bad day, an even shittier day. <laughs> I get that. I understand. By the way, Dalen Swearingen, uh, you bring him up. What a kid we got. You know, I talked to these guys um, and we got Dalen. I had him on this podcast and I got almost an hour out of it. I mean, when he, yeah. you're right, he can turn it off. But when he turns it on in this setting, he can, he can be really good at this. He had some, yeah. he had some really great stuff. He's an interesting cat, that kid. He really is. And you know, he'll, he'll text me sometimes and, uh, like, Hey, if you get a minute, can you give me a call? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Give him a call and think, I, I don't know. I'm thinking, or oh, what is he going to ask me? And it's, it was totally about the team. He was like, Hey, I'd like to get, uh, some whoop bands for everybody on our team so we can see how everybody's working out, keep each other accountable. And I'm like, all right, I got to get whoop bands. Like, when somebody calls asking for stuff to make the team better, that that's uh, you know, that's special, right? You know, usually it's it's a different kind of phone call that you get sometimes. But he he's you know focused on you know the performance of the team, and, and that was cool to see. Um, I think it's interesting. Check me if I'm wrong, but I think it's interesting that if you ask the guys that you compete against, if you talk to them about bull riding, they'll go, "There's no damn way I'd do that." If you talk to bull riders about what you do, they say, there's no damn way I'm doing that. It's an interesting, because uh, people compare it a lot. Yeah. They don't, they don't really want to see a wreck. It's just that tension that it might happen. All of these, all of these parallels are drawn for years. But when it comes down to the, down to the guys competing, they want nothing to do with the other guy's job. Right? Not a, yeah, <laughs> not a chance. I remember walking into world finals this year, like, pretty you know fired up I'm like you know if, if i didn't race cars maybe i would do this when i walked in the door after about three rides in i was like there is not enough money in this world to make me get on one of these things uh you know what i do i'm i've got fire suit five point harness six point now helmet hans roll cage all this stuff i mean i've wrecked as hard as you can wreck flip cars and done some crazy stuff you know, these guys just, you know, that's one thing I'd like to help the sport with is advancing the technology and safety. I've actually kind of put myself uh, in a role to, to try and help that um, with the GMs and um, try and bring some of the things that we do. But it's just a, such a hard sport because it's gotten to here. And, you know, I hope to see it continue to develop and, and get safer and safer. That's one thing that I have a passion for because, you know, I've made relationships with all these guys and I want to see them to continue to do what they love. Um, and, and maybe that's a place that I can help give back from the NASCAR side because we've, we've taken the technology on the safety side so far. Um, you're the right size, man. You're, you're perfect. 32. Shit. Come on. You're just getting rolling. I don't know about <laughs> that. man. Not a, not a chance. I do want to recruit new, new bull riders too. I want to go to colleges like we do for our pit crews and get them out to some of these like we're working on a combine right now i'm hoping that um we can bring and interest some of these college athletes that we go after for our pit crew st type stuff guys that aren't going to make it to the the next pro level but are really good athletes um show them this team's format and hopefully get them interested in a sport that they can continue to have team values and the work ethics that they learn from a college football per se and and take it into a new profession well, I would say, you know, you walk in, you're, you're three rides in at the PBR World Finals. And that will turn you off because, I mean, it's a, it can be a dick slamming, you know. But if you go, you know, where we all start at the smaller rodeos, there's got to be a, a draw, an appeal 
where you have a little success first. Yeah. And then get, I think, you know, kids, young guys and, and even people in charge that are in charge of young guys, they do it wrong. They put them on stuff right away where it it just really takes the fun out of it. So that's what we'll do with you, Austin. No, (laughs) already know it. It is a love of the game mindset. I love the game from afar and I do not want to love the game to the fact that I want to ride bulls. That's it. So you know what? I've been in this a long time. I've never been on a bull, ever. I've never been on one. So, yeah. and I can watch a ride. I, I can pick up. I've, nobody's watched more bull rides than I have from a really good right. spot. I can pick it apart. I can say to a guy, man, he got you tipped over there into your hand and you just couldn't make that move. You know, all that. Yeah. I, I bullshit my way through a lot of it. <laughs> um, <Me too. laughs> yeah, um forever it, it, since pbr really started going you know i grew up in the rodeo world and pbr rodeo people will say well yeah pbr whole different kind of fans there eh, hit and miss you know they say well pbr fans are more like nascar fans forever that's all i've heard is the parallels comparing the fans through the years of watching, I, I don't know on that. I, I, do you see a similarity in passion and identification to a favorite driver slash rider? Do you think the fans are that much alike? I don't know if they are. Um, I think it's a little different. Um, and then, you know, seeing some of the analytics and, uh, the people that are coming to the events, the people that are buying the tickets, um, you know, there's actually, you know, I think people take it for granted, but there is a younger audience showing up to PBR events than sometimes even NASCAR. I think NASCAR is, you know, we've started to cater to a younger audience, and that's the demographic everybody's trying to hit when it comes from a sponsorship standpoint. Uh, but some of those numbers are popping right now, and it's good to see um, the female numbers are, are up as well. Um, you know, you know, mostly your, your moms are buying the tickets for their kids to come see these PBR events, which is awesome, and um, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's similar in ways. I hope that the team's format brings more of that, you know, fire for, you know, you're coming for a team or a brand and a group of guys instead of, you know, coming to watch, you know, the best riders in the world get on every bull. Now it's, you know, Hey, I'm coming to watch my Cowboys play the, you know, the gamblers or the Nashville stampede. And, and we want to create that fanfare with the PBR team series. And I think um, the right groups of people are together to do it. And now it's just how do we maximize all these leverage, all these assets and, and different, you know, really smart people from all different backgrounds. If you look at the ownership group and the management group, we really have a, you know, a pretty awesome group. Here's the line you got to walk. And you know this coming from NASCAR. We had a discussion in this room the other night. Uh, David was here and Logan and I, and the line, now you're in a good position because I think you probably have a mentality and experience with it. There is a big similarity in NASCAR and bull riding. We want, we want new fans. We got to go after those new fans, but you can't forget about those ones. And that's what I know NASCAR has gone through that bull riding. When the teams came out, we went through that. Hey, it's still bull riding, and we're gonna still gonna have a regular season. You really have to balance that in holding on to the roots of each sport, bull riding and NASCAR. Get new fans, but you you still got to take care of those guys, right? Right. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's one thing that you know we talked about in the off season is you know most of the time it's it's trying to keep it simple, right? Some of the things we we you know we were really building this thing. Uh, as we were going last year. I mean, it happened fast, you know it. Yeah. And, and when it all came together, the big moments that we wanted to see Cheyenne um, walk off rides, the moments happened and you could feel it when you were a part of it. Now it's trying to, you know, get more of those moments and make it simpler for the fan to understand. Uh, for NASCAR side of it, we went through a time where we were changing different point systems and different ways of racing stage racing was very unlike for a while. And, and now it become, became the new normal and, and it finally got simplified where it was pretty un- easy, easy to understand. 
If I outrun somebody, I get one more point than the other guy. Um, so for teams, I think, you know, the bonus round in theory was a, a good thought, but it didn't really, you know, play out. I think some new things are coming that you'll see that will, um, you know, make it better and more understandable. And I, I mean, truthfully, my favorite moments of the team season, uh, mine personally was at home Saturday night in, in front of a packed out house in Winston-Salem and it's down to one ride and we hit a walk off with Dalen and I got a picture of Dalen riding a bull and everybody in the arena on their feet. You know, those are the type moments that we have to sell from the PBR team standpoint. Austin Gamblers had one of those. A couple other teams got that moment. And um, that's that's the type of stuff that we have to build. We can build those moments. Um, the the existing fan and the new fan, we're, we're going to have something really good. You're, uh, you're exactly right. Going into teams, I, I'm, I'm old school. Well, I mean, I'm old school and new school, but I come from the roots of me, our rodeo and Western sports. So the team thing, and I tell people this flat out, I wasn't all on board. I wasn't against it. I just wasn't that passionate about it. No, all right, let's go. Let's go to work. But those first couple, when we were in home arenas from Kansas City to Austin to Winston-Salem, that's a different feel. That you're exactly right. When the whole arena stands up, when they boo the other team, a lot of people won't like me for this. I think that's funny. I think that's sport. It's what you need. It's what you want. When you go to, a, uh, say, the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau, that's what you want to see. I mean, the, you know, Eagles fans this weekend are absolutely going to tear into the 40, 49ers when they come in that stadium. And we got to drive that fanfare and, and really create these rivalries and these moments and, um, you know, Cooper, you know, Cooper and I are very close. And the, one of the coolest things that he said to me was that's the first time I felt like an entire arena was for me. Right. And that's what he wanted. That's what, you know, he was going to retire, but he loved the global cup. He loved the atmosphere it created. And he really wanted this, you know, team's atmosphere to create that. And he said that was the coolest part of, for him was, you know, being at our home arena and everybody, you know, you feeling like you had, the weight of the arena on you and you come and deliver uh, in those big clutch moments. And everybody wants to be clutch, right? Everybody wants that yeah. shot. Yeah, and, and I can see Cooper and why why I liked it and why Cooper liked it. If you look at our backgrounds too, we were team sports guys. You know, Cooper was a football player. I was a football player. We have that. So it takes you back to that a little bit, you know? Yeah. A lot of Cowboys, well, a lot of Cowboys are Cowboys because they don't want team sports. But I think this introduced it to him and made him go, I got my, I got a group now. I, yep. I like the, the whole arenas for me. That's a good way to look at it. And Packers, good reference, by the way. Nice, nice team choice. Not much to cheer about for us Packers fans this year. <laughs> yeah, no, but the, the one thing you can always share is you got a great fan base, right? Like they all, the cheeseheads always show up and, uh, I'm a Panthers fan and I'm, I'm lucky to walk in the stadium and have more Panthers fans than whatever the visiting team is. You know, that's frustrating. Very, you're already beat from the start. You might, I'm going to, I'm going to go, this might be a stretch, but you might be the first like true Carolina Panthers fan I've ever met. Like <laughs> it, it's, it's hard. We've had some ups and downs. I got to live through when we went to the Super Bowl. I actually flew out and watched them play in the Super Bowl versus the 49ers Cam Newton had something going in Carolina and, you know, we had Luke Keekley and just a strong group of guys that made it fun. And then when they lost Rivera, new ownership came in and we've just kind of been trying to find that identity, but we, we hired a head coach today. So we'll see how that uh, plays out. I was kind of hoping we'd stick with what we had and, and Steve Wilkes. Cause I felt like he finished off the season pretty strong compared to where we were. Frank so. Reich, Frank Reich. Did they hire yep. Frank Reich? So offensive minded guy, we've got a pretty strong defense. Hopefully we can get it together. Why wouldn't you hire Frank Reich? He just got fired from another team. Perfect fit. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, the owner of the team gets to make those, those decisions. And I, I kind of said the same thing, I guess he is the owner, so he gets to make them. Yeah. Luke Keekley was one of my favorites. Anyway, um, you know, the, the one thing that fans, like I've always said, like I just said, the fan base, I I don't see it. I'm like you. I don't see it quite as similar as some people do. 
But our worlds are very similar in, in this aspect. So many of the riders and drivers, yourself included, it's more of the culture. You know the sport because from the time you were born, you were immersed in it. Rodeo guys, my dad was a, ro- my dad was a rodeo announcer. So I grew up just watching. I knew everything there was to know before I knew I knew it, you know? You're the same way. Don't you see that NASCAR when you talk to guys? Well, I started at this age. It, they do this just like Cowboys do. Start down there. For sure. And I think that's one thing that, you know, when we started, you know, we, we talked about managing the team, being a part of this, going to some of the events. One thing that struck me instantly was uh, God, family, and country. All three were represented um, – you know, in that order, um, I felt like, and NASCAR does a really good job of pretty much staying to that same, you know, there's three concepts, you know, we pray before the races, we have the national anthem and, um, on Memorial day, one of my favorite race weekends is the Coke 600. It's one of the coolest atmospheres that we have. And, um, our event last year was on nine 11. We did some cool stuff around that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in that aspect, I, I believe we have stayed true to, you know, God, family, and country. And, and like you said, you start from a young age doing this, which is hard. That's one reason it's probably hard to bring in uh, riders from a different background, but then you get the one or two twosies that come in and, um, you know, be good at it. But yeah, you know, Mason, talking to Mason Taylor and, and Boudreaux, you know, those guys started riding when they were on sheep at like five years old. I remember the first meeting, they're like, when'd you start riding? Like, four years old on a sheep my dad rode you know Boudreaux's dad rode and and just listen to their their stories of how they got to this point it definitely you know started with family and somebody you know pushing them to get to this point uh yeah it's um I've guys come to me I want to do what you do or you know when I'm done in the arena what we're going to replace you not somebody from the rodeo world just an entertainer they'll die out there like there's so much going on and timing and there's just so much little crap to know. And yeah, it's it, it, all, all of you guys. And I know that's you speaking of that. I didn't forget. All right. I got some. So I've been coming, this studio we're in is also a big office, a display pictures all over the wall. I've looked at this picture every day. I walk in here a couple hundred times. I'll try to, I don't want it to glare. You probably can't see it. We'll, we'll dub it in when we edit this. Yeah. But at the bottom of my finger right there is little Austin Dillon in the back row. This is when Dale won the Daytona 500. The 500. Grandpa Childers nice. is in there. Rick Sutcliffe is in that picture for some reason. <laughs> he hung out with them all the time. They were really close to a bunch of the Braves players back then. Yeah, and uh, David Allen. So there you are. Your bro- Is that his brother behind? Can't even see your brother. He's behind yeah. somebody's head. But but that's, <laughs> at that age, I know my girls and the things I've got to do. National Finals Rodeo, PBR Finals. That age, they're in pictures. And there's 20,000 people around them, and they could give two shits. If <laughs> That's the culture we're brought up in, right? You, you do have a choice, but this choice makes a lot more sense. Right. Yeah. It becomes natural. You know, I've watched my grandfather do multiple interviews that throughout my life. So speaking became more natural. I've watched, you know, different drivers handle different situations um, throughout my career. So I've, you know, been around it. I might not have done every situation, but I've seen how certain people handle it and it kind of molds you into your thought process and how you handle certain things. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate. And I think a lot, a lot of people in different situations, you know, the people that you're around definitely are who, who make you. I, my girls, they're finishing up their college rodeo careers. One's the coach now and the other one still there. But whenever at Bozeman, Montana at MSU and media would have a request to interview kids from the college rodeo team, my girls would go. And there was parents out there and kids that got tired. Why do they always get to go? They're like, because they know how to do an interview. I've had that discussion. Sage Kimsey, do you know Sage? He did 
TV, all fall. One of the greatest bull riders ever. I'm trying to convince him to, you know, get in PBR teams, join the draft this year. I'm trying to get Sage flipped. So, But we've had the discussion. His dad was a rodeo clown, and he's really good on media. And he said the same thing. Hell, I watched my dad do it from my entire childhood. It's osmosis, man. It's, uh, it is a great skill to have, though. Oh, and I watched Sage when he, as soon as he got on to the PBR teams and started doing the broadcast, it was an uptick, in my opinion, on, you know, the information the fan was getting. It was awesome to have him in there. And, you know, I mean, certain people, you know, can really, you, for example, Flint, when you're not in that arena, it's a different feel. You get everybody fired up and it's, it's a different feel when you're not. And that's why I told you, like, we got to have you. So I hope we get you for a, for a long time, but hopefully somebody's watching you every move and learning from you and, and developing for down the road. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. I've, t- I've told my girls that forever media deal with uh, relationships and connections. That's the other thing, the culture of growing up in it, no matter how much people want to deny that our world success in the professional world is about relationships and connections and how you treat those people. Um, you know, that's it. I think that's why people, we go to New York City and they just love cowboys because we yeah. hold the door open for them. We take our hats off. It's a cool culture for you to be a part of, to see that, I'm sure, for you. It's easy easy to deal with them in that respect. They're a polite group of guys overall. I mean, cowboys are the last people that you can take their word for. Uh, you know, I mean, when they tell you something, they mean it. And, um, that's nice to see. And I've learned a lot in a short period of time, bringing around all of them, even, even Cody Lambert right off the bat. I mean, I love when you mess with Cody on the show because C- Cody is exactly, you know, who he is. He He's going to be the same every time. And, uh, you know, we did that trade to, at the beginning of the season together and it worked out. I think, you know, they came out on top, you know, the Rattlers did in the end, but you know, we all were pretty happy with what we got and, uh, Cody's an interesting character, but one thing you always say, he's always going to be, you know, by his word. And that that's the type of people that you're around when you're, when you're at these events in the PBR, you never wonder what's on Cody Lambert's mind for sure. He's the bill <laughs> Belichick of PBR teams. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to move on to Cincinnati. We're going to, yeah. <laughs> I love you were messing with him early on in the, the interviews. I thought that was great. Uh, but yeah, so I actually wrote that down. You traded during the first PBR draft. You trade you. How do you end up with Mason Taylor and Dalen? Is that right? Am I? Did I remember right? You end up with yeah. what? How would uh, what'd you trade and get? What uh, you talk about that process? So I had uh, picks seven and ten, um, and I think twenty three and twenty six. And Jerome obviously had a relationship with Dalen um, when he came down uh, to. First, I actually didn't know the story just recently, but Dalen's mom brought him to a camp that Jerome had put on. And when Dalen's mom came to pick him up that day, Jerome handed his mom the money back and said, look, uh, I'm not taking this. Just keep bringing it back. Huh. Like, so that was the type of relationship him and Dalen had built. And from the beginning, Jerome, you know, he wanted to figure out how to get Dalen. But, you know, our pick was so far back, it was going to be tough. Um, so there were some talks had before the draft and we were, you know, trying to maneuver. And I talked to Mark George a couple of times, like, Hey, if this happens, I knew who kind of the direction that Cody wanted to go and he wanted JRV. Um, and I felt like because of JRV's age and where he was that he'd probably fall to us. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, they didn't pick him early and they could have a, a earlier second pick. Um, so I told him, you know, we'd flip our seven and 10 for their three and 14 and they can move up in the, uh, third round to 23 from 30. And, you know, my, my background, uh, I know this sounds silly, but I play a ton of fantasy football. Yeah. I love sports in general. Mm. So snake drafts and moving the numbers around on the board were, were pretty, uh, natural to me cause I'd done it so long and we, we have basketball leagues that I play in around here, and we have websites. We trade players. I'm in a pickleball league right now. I made a trade the other day. Wait, so I like- no way. I know yeah. pickleball's big, but there's like fantasy pickleball. Like No, this is or, fantasy. Or, I'm playing it. You're playing pickleball. Yeah. Oh, thank so we God. Got, 
Like that's not near as that's not near as nerdy. That's good then. Okay. Yeah. So there's like 32. I have 32 friends that play pickleball. I commission the league. Uh, there's eight captains. We draft. It's a snake draft. All the type. All that type of stuff. Similar in basketball. I'll get like 50 people together in an eight team basketball league, and we do a snake draft. There's bye weeks. We keep stats. I mean, it's legit. We, uh, Denny Hamlin. He he kind of started it. His basketball league was in uh, at Lake Norman. He's got this unbelievable basketball court right on the lake. And once I learned how he was doing it, I'm like, shoot, I got to have one. I'm an hour from here. I'm, I'm done driving. Over there. I got to have our own league. So I've you know been in a bunch of basketball leagues, and I knew how to like make comparable trades. And um, you know, talking to Mark, knowing what he was trying to do and, and get for Cody, and Cody knowing Jerome wanted Dalen it kind of all worked out where during the draft, I didn't think it was going to happen, but I thought there was a shot. And I just kind of told him like, Hey, look, if anything, you know, take Dalen at three, that's the guy that needs to go at three. And, you know, worst case, if JRV falls to me, then you can get somebody earlier in the second round than what you're going to have. So it kind of worked out exactly like I had kind of planned and they took Dalen um, and, JRV kind of kept falling. Well, when it got to us at seven, I was like, Hey, do you guys want to do the deal now? And they're like, no, we don't know who's going to fall to you at, uh, 10. So, um, Cody Jesus was kind of the first guy on our board. He was hot at the finals. He was young. Um, and we went with Cody. Um, cause you know, at that point we wanted to see if JRV would make it around that second pick, but I wanted to build around a younger guy, um, for the Cowboys and, and Tiffany and Jerome really liked Cody's attitude. So we drafted Cody eight, nine was Brandon and, um, Eli was on our list because of North Carolina Cowboy, he got taken first. So that kind of marked him off and then he backed up with Cole Baba. So JRV was back around to us. So it was, it was exactly almost what, what I had said. So this time I walked back over, I'm like, Hey, here it is. No. It fell perfect. You got Cody and JRV. You guys want to do the trade? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, the only difference is now instead of 23, you're getting 26. So ended up giving 26 up and keeping 23, which we turned into Boudreaux. So we got Dalen at three. When it came back to their pick at 14, we got uh, Mason Taylor, uh, Boudreaux at 23. And they got, I don't know who they got at 26. Um, but that was their pick and, um, yeah, it worked out pretty good. It, it just kind of, to me, the whole thing, all of a sudden you have this team and it just made sense. You know, you had Cooper and Boudreaux and Mason and Dalen. I mean, it, it was a cool team that that's yeah. why I liked them from day one. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I still feel like we've got one of the most talented teams out there or hardworking teams. We just got to put it together and it's literally little things here and there a lot has to go right and bull riding mm -hmm. for it to work out. And that's what I've learned, but I love our team and love where we sit right now. And, um, the 2023 draft should be interesting. See how it all plays out. We currently have seven guys signed, so we will not get to pick unless, uh, we move somebody. So we'll have to wait and see who signs up for the draft and what, what it all comes down to. Yeah. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to is i can't keep a straight face is someday when hey surprise hiring the nfl carolina panthers have hired austin dillon to be their general manager let's send it down ed Werders with uh him or whoever you know surprise hire austin well yeah but i play a lot of fantasy football and have these basketball leagues <laughs> i think i know what i'm doing it, it literally, you know, the funniest part was right before the draft, I had called almost every GM, like, leading up the draft multiple times, kind of filling them out. I had floated a, a couple different trades. Like, I talked about, you know, trading back because I wanted more guys in the top, in the teens than just that first pick at seven. And, um, you know, I floated a bunch of trades out there. And no one was really moving. And my grandfather walks by me, like, 15 minutes before the draft starts and – I'm kind of stressing a little bit, but I'm not too stressed because I know we have our standard picks and they were pretty good, but I wanted to, you know, make a, a little bit of movement. And, uh, 
Brandon Bates was right beside me and my grandpa goes up to me and goes, Hey, don't overstress about this. Just, you need to let Jerome make the picks. You don't need to you know, do anything. Just ride it out. And Brandon's like, yeah, uh, you know, you know what you got. Just stick with what you got. You're going to be good. And I'm like, all right, guys. And, you know, I'd been up all night thinking of all this stuff and going through it all. And I was like, well, RC just gave me his vote of confidence that I don't need to pretty much do nothing. I want to show him. And one of the other GMs about two minutes later walked up and he's like, Hey, I'm, I might be interested in a trade. And as soon as he said that, it kind of like calmed me because I was like, okay, I got somebody thinking now they were just waiting till the last minute. And then it, it all, you know, all played out right. And Jerome was super pumped to get Dalen obviously and build the, build the group that we had. And so, uh, yeah, it, it was fun. It was adrenaline for sure that night. All, the whole night was that way. And Bates is just a dick anyway. He just messing with you. He just chipping on you. The whole hey, time. the trade done. He did come over and say, "Hey, how much money did it take to make that trade?" I said, zero. And he was like, "Wow, good job." That was pretty much it. The deal. So because yeah, he didn't, he didn't think of it. So he's pissed. He he didn't think of it. So yeah, it was it was fun. It was it was a good night. And, mm. uh, I've told it enough now that I've got to move on and create a new story because my wife can almost tell the story. And uh, she was so <laughs> tired of telling it to everybody. She she started like, you know, I mess with my dad when he he kind of repeats himself sometimes. So I'll, I said, really, dad? And that's when he knows that he said it enough. Yeah. And uh, so Whitney's starting to do that to me. So we'll see. We got we to create a new story this year. Is it like when they're sitting around the teepee and dances with wolves and big Tatanka, little Tatanka? Big, to, <laughs> look it up. Yes. Oh, Tatanka. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's you telling. Good trade. Yeah, good yeah. trade. Good trade. Um, you know, the one thing about the team, the bull riding thing is, you're not really going against another guy. You know, it's individual. You ride a bull, you ride a bull. Like you guys, you, you know, you're banging out there. Literally, you know, I, I said, hey, this team's dealing be better if if at five seconds the other team could start throwing stuff at the, <laughs> the do something like you you know we had the the salgado brothers riding opposite each other but they're really not can't do anything do you uh do you sometimes just see your brother out there and want to wreck him out when because he drives <laughs> i mean there that's true I yeah. never want to wreck him out, but I always want to beat him, right? Like, right. I always want to finish in front of him, which fortunately I I do most of the time. He's younger, right? Are you older? I'm older than him. I'm two years older. Uh, so, but he drives for a different team and everything, which there's yep. a little bit of similarity there where you want your teammates to do good, but there's more individual reward in the NASCAR team concept you're you're kind of it, it's different more individual reward in what you do than pbr teams right um or, yeah i would say now it's starting to get where you know your team does well everybody does well it's getting more and more of that because it's such a tight competition i mean this morning i was in concord and i'm in a program right now where a bunch of the chevy drivers are all working out together we're doing all kinds of mental and physical training and you know talking about how to drive the the perfect corner you know what i mean as a group so uh we we try to you know help each other as much as we can you're really you are competing against yourself in a way when you're out there obviously there's moves that are made that you're you know chess moves against another guy because you know his tendencies and you'll attack one guy a, a different way than the other uh because you know how he drives but in the end, it's mu a lot of the time you spend in a race car is you versus yourself. Yeah. Well, I know quite a bit about it because, you know, we have eight seconds. You have uh, days of thunder, you know, just Tom Cruise just shows up with Robert Duvall and drives. What's your favorite scene from days of thunder? <sighs> when he's doing Nicole Kidman, probably. Oh, you mean racing? Scene. Oh, I'm sorry. So <laughs> But it's when he's teaching her the draft. He's right. teaching her the draft with the salt packets or the, uh, what is it? 
Yeah, he's got he's got packets. And he's teaching the draft on her leg. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So is he part. is he right? Do you watch yeah. that? It, you're like us. I would imagine you're like us. We, there's a lot of crappy rodeo movies out there, different yep. ones, but you can pick out things that you go right. Yep. No, Days of Thunder is the best for sure. They did that one right, and uh, I remember meeting so Whitney uh, first race she came to uh, it the night before. You know, we have like our you know, feeder series runs the night before this is Xfinity series. So we take her out and we're watching the race and we come back and it's her and she's a cheerleader for the Titans. And she's got two other cheerleaders. We go back to the bus. We're having a good time. We're dancing in my bus. So it's winding down. I was like, Hey, let's watch, let's watch a movie. We got to, we got to teach you about this racing thing. She was like, I was like, we need to, there's a scene in this movie. We got to talk about the draft. And she goes, Oh honey, I'm in the NFL. I know the draft. And I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, what? No, not the NFL draft, like racing draft, which I fell even more in love with her because she knew nothing about racing at that point, right. which is a good thing. And she, she, I'm laughing and she goes, well, what do you mean? Like the military draft? And I'm like, nope, even better. <laughs> so we watch Days of Thunder and I show her the draft part and she's like, okay, I guess there is another draft, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, ended up marrying her and uh, we got, Little man ace, and we got another one on the way. Yeah. Little girl. Going yeah, well. I know. I saw the most extreme gender reveal I've ever seen in my life. Right? <laughs> you blew some stuff up, right? I did. I, and it, it flamed a lot further than I thought. So <laughs> we did pop. Like, Whitney was like, hey, we're doing just the twisty pop things, and we're going to have confetti. And I'm like, all right, cool. I wanted to do Tannerite. She was like, look, you can still blow something up afterwards, but we're doing this because I don't want it to scare the kids or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So then we, uh, the boys went outside and we blew up Tannerite and had a bunch of powder around it and it blew pink everywhere. I saw it. I'm not into gender reveals, but I went, I looked and I went, that's the most Austin Dillon NASCAR redneck gender reveal ever. That was the best. <laughs> Yeah, I was cool. People do it, but I mean, that was a big one. And that was only a pound. And I've got a three pounder and I, my neighbor said it shook their window. So I'm not, I'm kind of scared to do the three pound. No, you just need to move farther away from your neighbor. I mean, come on, buy a bigger place. Let's go, dude. <laughs> um, I don't want to keep you all day, but I, I will say, I, I do appreciate this. And I joked about you saying, hey, you know, let me on your podcast. And you did say you wanted to be on, and we appreciate that here. And uh, yep. you are the first, our first NASCAR guy on here. Uh, Dale Jr., we have access to him, but you beat him here, so you're Good. better. You're way better. And I want you to go on record with him, if it ever comes up, that my podcast and broadcasting thing is way better than what he does. I mean, come on. I'll, I'll uh, for sure 100% back you on that one, Flynn. <laughs> I remember we were just talking the other day. We had a PBR years ago in Charlotte. And David here produced or promoted it. And it was the Dale Jr. Invitational. I remember thinking, this is bull riding and we have the, you know. So I'm in the back lane at Center Alley. Bull ride, you know, and he's going to do a welcome everybody there. I jump down to warm up and it's dark. And I look over and it's me and Junior, just the two of us. Hey. He kind of looks at me and I'm all painted up. He's like, hey, dude. <laughs> so we have this whole conversation in the dark. That's my experience with Junior, but he'll be on. And uh, uh, believe me, if he ever does come on, I will make sure he knows. You were first. I was first. You were first. Um, not like. Yeah. Uh, well, because if you're not first, you're last. Uh, I mean, uh, the that other is- great NASCAR movie, of course. I will not get my vote of support for that one. It is hilarious, but yeah. if, if, you, if you don't chew big red, go. Yeah. yeah. Boudreaux uh, always gives me a lot of shit about Talladega nights. Boudreaux's the one usually giving me a bunch of shit. So uh, actually he watched a lot of the races last year and there's this one guy drives one of the cars and he was like, well, guess he beat you again this weekend, didn't he? And he would always give me shit. So I'd call him when the bull whooped him. I guess the bull whooped you this weekend. It was pretty back and forth between me and Boudreaux quite often. Yeah, Boudreaux. Boudreaux 
came to my house, said he was going to stay in North Carolina, work out at the gym. And he was like, I'll just stay. I got this uh, barn that he can live in. So he brings a bag. He puts his bag in, in the barn. He stays for three days. I got him set up with our trainer. He made one workout and his bag is still in the barn. And I haven't seen him since that one workout. So maybe this year, Boudreaux will turn over a new leaf, get in the gym, be here in North Carolina with me and Jerome, which he's got, uh, I bought some heifers and now Boudreaux's taking care of those. So that, that'll be his excuse. But, um, yeah, if you see Boudreaux, ask him if he's ever going to come back to North Carolina and get his bag out of my barn, or is he actually going to come stay and work out? Yeah, I'll ask him. I'll see him Saturday. As a matter of fact, <laughs> hey, man, I, I appreciate it. Stay in touch. Uh, good luck with the teams. We'll we'll be around. If you get to an event this spring, give me a holler. We always, it's always good to visit with you, man. We need to fire this thing up. When teams, when teams uh, starts back up, I want to get on the podcast and let's, Let's uh let's do some fun interviews during the team season. We'll circle back. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. We'll keep we'll keep it up. You bet. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right.